0: I want you to look around the room. Find someone who you don't recognize. If they make eye contact with you, might be a little awkward, that's okay. But look at, for someone, keep your eyes fixed on them for a sec, someone you don't recognize, someone you don't really know. You don't know me, I guess not. <laughs> don't look at me, unless you really don't know who I am. Um, I want you to take a second and ask yourself this question. Um, I wonder what their story is. Like I wonder what pain they've had in their life that they've overcome. I wonder what their family life is like. Look at them and think, I wonder. I wonder what they do for work. I wonder what their ambitions are. What's their story? Those were some pretty powerful stories there, weren't they? You can say yes to that. Um, Evelette is one of the most articulate 13-year-olds I've ever met. There's a lot of depth in Evelette's story. I don't know if you heard it. If you missed it, hopefully we can share it with you again. You'll pay attention. God's taught her some things. He's deposited things in her life that are actually meaningful to you, that are for you. Christiane, um, that was a lot of courage for Christiane to do that for us. And I honor that, and I respect that a lot. So thank you for sharing that with us. And we know there's so much more to your story. So thank you for inviting us into a piece of it. Christine, um, a short amount of time, I don't know where she is. She's probably getting changed. short amount of time that her, she's been in our family's life, has been a, an immense blessing in her life. And you know that if you've been coming here for any amount of time. It's such a gift. It's incredible. One of my favorite things to do as a pastor sometimes is is to do the stories, is to do the testimonies. I spent all week filming those and editing them over and over again, and I promise you I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of it. Even the same story over and over again is meaningful. It's powerful. It's profound. You hear little nuggets the third, fourth, seventh time through that you didn't hear the first time. And it changes something in you. It forms something in you. It shifts something in your spirit. You can feel it. I spent a little time um, doing those testimonies, and I also spent a little bit of time um, reading some of the stuff on the cross. I didn't open the ones that were folded, because I assume if it was folded, you didn't want me to read it. But if it was open, I read them. This was from Good Friday. This was, um, this was just a time where we got to reflect on both the ways that we've offended God in the ways that he's shown us grace and mercy. We got to reflect on people in our life that we hope that we'll get to spend time in eternity with, who have left a deposit in our life, and that we hope to see again in life, in life eternal. So we did on Friday, on Good Friday, we left them at the foot of the cross. And every pin in that cross is representative of of somebody's unique story of pain, of sin, of suffering, of grace, of mercy, and of hope. I spent some time meditating on that a little bit while I was here. I, uh, I remember a show. Was it on Much Music? That might date me a little bit. <laughs> might put me in a moral or ethical category as well. It was called Speaker's Corner. Anybody? Speaker's, Yeah, yeah, you're all in. Okay. Not the only one. The kids have no idea what we're talking about. The youth students have no idea what we're talking about. But Speaker's Corner... Was a really really interesting social experiment, wasn't it? It was in Toronto. It was a corner on the street, and uh, they had a camera and they had a microphone. This is before YouTube, where everyone has a camera and a microphone. And what you would do is—I don't know if did anybody do Speaker's Corner. Okay, nobody. All right, you probably did. You just don't want us to go look it up. And uh, the the really cool thing was that you could just, you go into this booth, you get 30 seconds, 60 seconds or something like that. I don't know if you had to pay for it. I don't think you did. Did you have to pay for it? Oh, what? Come on. That's why you didn't do it. That's right. <laughs> so cheap. Did you pay for breakfast this morning? No? Okay. <laughs> um, it was such an interesting thing. You'd get there and, and it would just be... People would show up and they'd rant for sixty seconds they'd tell their story in some kind of way they would they would gripe about something, share an opinion about something, tell about how they're just heartbroken over a breakup or something like that. It was so interesting to just watch it's a series of people's sixty second stories It was a lot of times it was it was just trash. And you're like, what am I doing right now watching this? But there was a lot of times where there was like, there was a moment. You're like, wow, there's a soul there with a story. There's a soul there who's crying out for something. Something meaningful happening behind that. It's a really interesting experience. We today, we have social media. We have YouTube. It's an interesting experiment, too. We feel like we know each other more than we ever have, because we can go to each other's Instagram profiles, we can go to each other's Facebook profiles, and we can read our Twitter remarks. I don't know if you've been on my Instagram profile, but you could probably get a glimpse of my life, or you may think you know my story by going there. A lot of times, I don't know about you, but I do this, if somebody says, hey, do you know this person, or hey, you're going to meet with this person, I will secretly creep them online just to get a sense of who they are. Is anybody, am I the only one? No, Claire does that. You do that. You're you're all over that. Yeah. Thank you guys in the back. You just want to get familiar with somebody, right? You think you know somebody by watching that. You think you know somebody through 140 or 280 characters on Twitter, but the reality is people feel less known than they've ever felt. People feel lonelier than they've ever felt. People feel like people don't know them. We post all this stuff, but we're not really sharing our story because we're posting things that aren't really the whole thing. And if you are posting the whole thing, everyone's like, ugh, get off Instagram, bro. <laughs> you know, go see a therapist or something like that, right? We have some of those here if you need that. It's interesting what stories do to us. Um, stories bind us. I don't know if you caught that. Is there any Harry Potter fans in the room? Yeah, well, yeah, ex- well, exactly. And, 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 and what's going to happen after this is, uh, is, is um, they're going to go have a Harry Potter Fan conversation. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna connect over Harry Potter fandom. Anybody grow up doing dance when you're a kid? Yeah. And Mikey, did you really? No, you didn't. Did oh, you? Well, you did. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of dance? Yeah. Um. But if you did, you got something to connect with Christine over, don't you? Especially if you're around the same age and you grew up in the same area, you got something to share. You got something to talk about. I don't know if any of you have had a, um, a painful experience where your child was in the hospital and sick and you didn't know what to do and you felt helpless. You probably felt a little bit of emotion during Christine's story because you reflected on that yourself. You connected with it. It's an amazing thing what stories do, they bind us together in a really beautiful and profound way. They bring unity, they bring love and mutual understanding. That's what God wants for us. That's what he invites us into. When we know one another, we're connected to one another. I got a chance to share my story this March at Resol. They do every March, they do My Story March. And I got a chance to share my story. And I got a chance to share the, uh, from the start. A lot of the students at Resol, they just know me as this 32-year-old pastor. I'm coming to grips with the fact that they just think of me that way. I think I'm super cool young guy still, like we all do, right? We all think we're 21, super cool, super relevant. In reality, the students think we're old and scary and intimidating and hyper-conservative and, like, super legalistic, and they're scared of us. You know what I mean? That's what I'm learning about about where I'm at in the season. And the cool thing with, um, with my story, March, is I got to share my story. I got to let them into a part of my life they don't know. And they got to relate with me in a new way. They got to see who I was as a child, They got to learn a little bit about an insecurity that I've carried my whole life that they may have guessed, but they wouldn't have known because I would have never said it. They got a chance to see that I have a younger sister and an older brother, and I was really involved in baseball. We can connect over those things. It's amazing what stories tell us and how they connect us. And the, the really cool thing about the gospel is that the gospel is a story. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a story. It's not that it's false. It's not that it's made up. But it is told in a story. The Gospels of Jesus Christ are not just historical accounts. They're stories. They're very intentional stories to tell us the story of Jesus in a very particular way. And the more that you read them over and over and over again, just like editing a testimony over and over and over again, the more you find yourself in the story, the more you start to see things that you can connect with. You're not reading words on a page. You're not just reading dates and times and names and numbers. You start to feel like you're in it. The same is true with the gospel. The same is true with the kingdom of God. It's, it's a story. There's a narrative arc to it. I don't know if you're new to Christian faith or the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture really summed up is about a God who loves all things, made all things from his love. He made them in the beginning all good, just out of his love. And uh, things went wrong. And the whole story of Scripture is God restoring the world back to its original intention. It's a story of a creation and then a new creation. It's a story of a garden that turns into a garden city, some people say. It's a, it's a garden-like state into the future, and that's the whole story. And the amazing thing about the story of the gospel is that we're kind of right in the middle of it, We're right in the middle of it. I was reflecting on the gospel of the kingdom this week, and we know the story of Jesus. If you're here, you probably know the story of Good Friday, the death on the cross, the resurrection. That's what we're celebrating on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. I want to read from you in Revelation. Revelation is an odd book in the Bible that sometimes is hard to understand because it's written in first century apocalyptic language. It's not meant to be understood at a face reading and a simple, plain reading. There's so much depth there. It's one of those stories you read over and over and over again. You start to learn so much from. You start finding yourself in the story. In the beginning and the end of Revelation, Revelation's the last book in Revelation. The New Testament is the last book of the canon of Scripture. Revelation chapter 1 starts like this. There's an interesting line here. This is um, written by one of Jesus' closest friends. His name was John. This is later in his life. He had a vision from God about what the kingdom of God was like and what it will be like. And so the book starts out like this in chapter 1, verse um, 17 to 18. It says, when I saw him, this is, This is John seeing Jesus in his dream and his vision. He says, I fell down, I fell to my feet as though I were dead. But he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the one who lives. I was dead, but look, now I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write what you saw, what is and what will be after these things the rest of the book of revelation is really just john writing a story of what he saw and it kind of ends with this towards the end here in chapter 21 chapter 21 that uh well, I'll start with verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the earth had ceased to exist. The sea existed no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, descended out of heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the residence of God is among human beings. He will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will not exist anymore or mourning, or crying, or pain for the former things have ceased to exist. And the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. Then he said to me, Write it down, because these words are reliable and true. The story of Scripture is that God is making all things new. The story of the kingdom is that God is making all things new, and that you, you heard stories today of people being made new. Nobody told them to say these words. Nobody put these words in their mouth. I asked them a series of questions, and these are their answers, and their experience with God, and their relationship with God. God is making them new. He's both made them new and is making them new, and that's the life that they're committed to. That's the life they're living into is a life of being made new because that's what the gospel is. The gospel of the kingdom is a story of making all things new, and that's the work that Jesus is up to. I was reflecting on this last night, and I was thinking about the churches here on Main Street. You've got St. Paul's at the top of the hill. You got Knox Presbyterian down the street. These big, huge cathedrals. You got the Anglican Church down this way. And sometimes we can look up and down the street. We can think, "Where is God? Where is He gone?" You see these four to six hundred seat auditoriums, and you think, "We know they're not filled. We know people are not worshiping there. They're not filled over and over again." This community, one hundred fifty thousand people here in Milton, are not worshiping God on Sunday. And sometimes we can get into thinking that maybe. The kingdom of God is in decline. Sometimes we can think that maybe Christendom is in decline. Maybe the world is all of a sudden out of nowhere going to hell in a handbasket and we're just along for a ride for a little while until we get rescued away from it. That is not the story of Scripture. That's not the story of new creation and that is not the story of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, if it's true in accordance with what Jesus said and the resurrection if it's true in accordance with Jesus what Jesus said is that the kingdom of God is just beginning 2000 years later the kingdom of God is just beginning we haven't seen nothing yet have we there's so much more ahead of us there's so much more in our lifetime and lifetimes to come after us there's so much more work to be done by king Jesus through his people to bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven if the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached is true the resurrection happened then God is just getting started isn't that a wonderful thought God is just getting started with this church this church has been in Milton for 42 years and God's just getting started with it And it's not that he ever finished what he was doing and is starting something new. It's the same thing. He is just getting started. 42 years in the span of God's kingdom and eternity is just a small blip. God's got so much more for us. Spending time meditating on this, I thought, God's just getting started with St. Paul's United Church. I don't know if you know this, but the United Church, they're struggling a lot. You don't go go into big cathedrals with very few people. The kingdom of God is that Jesus preached, if all that is true, then God is just getting started with the faithful few at St. Paul's. He's just getting started with the few at, Saint, uh, at Knox Presbyterian up the street. What a gift it is to actually look at our city, look at the street, look at Main Street here and think, God's just getting started with this place. It's not over. It's not the end. We're not in decline. There's the kingdom of God ahead of us. And I don't know what age you are, what season of life you're in, but what I want to tell you this morning is that God is just getting started with you. God is just getting started with your legacy that you're going to leave. God is just getting started with the wisdom that he has imparted on you in just recent years. You are not done. There's no end to this. That is not the kingdom of God. If it is untrue, then it's all untrue. But if it's true, God is just getting started with you exactly where you're at. There's a lot of wisdom that you have that you need to pass on to the next generation because God's just getting started with us here in Milton. If you're in that middle age range and you're thinking, hmm, not not much has happened in the first 20 years of my adult life, I wonder if there's anything left for the last 20, I promise you. If you give your life to Jesus and you spend time with Jesus and you devote your life to following in his ways, like Evelette, the 13-year-old, said, God has so much more for you. There's so much for you to pass on. There's so much for you to do. There's so much kingdom building for you to have. If you're 30 like me and you think now's our time to shine, we've got 10 years to maybe save up and buy a house, and that's going to be the rest of our life. I promise you there's way more to life for us. God is just getting started with us. There's so much more change to happen. There's so many more people who have walked by this morning who need to know King Jesus. If the gospel of the kingdom is true, they need to know him. It happens through us. There are relationships that need to be restored that we're responsible to helping restore. There are are relationships that need to be mended. There are lives that need to be changed. There are people who need to be fed and cared for. There are children who need parents. That's us. And we're just getting started with that. If you're like 15 to 28, wow. There's so much more for you than what you've seen There's so much more to your life than what maybe you've been told or sold maybe in your school or maybe by your peers. There's a life that God has for you and there's a mission that he has for you. There's a kingdom he wants to build through you. And we'll do our job by imparting everything we can to you so that you can actually carry that forth. God's just getting started with you. What a blessing it is to know that, to see that, and to believe that. If you're sitting here today and you don't understand any of this, I want to promise you something. I want to tell you something you may not understand. The God of the universe who made you and created you, he loves you. And he has a life for you that he intended for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what your life has looked like, no matter what your parents were like growing up, no matter what you've seen in the past, no matter what dumb things the church has said or done in the past, God of the universe loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got an intention for your life. And it's to build his kingdom. The stories of our past we look past, uh, we look at and they are redemptive stories. I love the way that Christine shared her story of her parents' relationship and that it was painful, but the way she looked back at it was redemptive. That was a beautiful way to share that, and I appreciate that, because sometimes we don't talk about it that way. What the gospel of the kingdom of God does is it makes us look at our past through a redemptive lens. What the gospel of the kingdom does is it makes us look forward through a hopeful lens. Not a a scary, alarmist lens like everything's going to crap, but a hopeful lens. The king of the universe has control and he's pulling things forward to his kingdom. It's hopeful. And the story for our present is faith. So we're called to. We're called to live in faith. It's the invitation to discipleship. So this morning as we um, this morning as we meditate on the stories that we heard, the story of scripture, the story of the kingdom of God, I want you to just take a moment and meditate on your story. What parts of your past do you need to start seeing as Something Jesus wants to redeem. What about the future is hopeful? And what about the present do you need to just start living in faith? Lord Jesus, we're here this morning to worship you. We're here this morning to recognize you as the rightful king in your kingdom. If the story of resurrection is true, which we believe it is in a literal way, then you are just getting started with us, Lord. The Spirit of God is present here today. You have a plan and a purpose for us. You've got an intention for us. What you're asking for us is our time, our attention, our focus, our orientation on you because you've got something for us. I pray by the power of your spirit that we can live in obedience to that and trust in that. Through that, we can start seeing our past as redemptive. We start seeing the future hope that we have in life in you and that we experience the riches of faith in the moment, the fruit of faith in the moment. Bless us with that, Lord. Help us see, Lord, how our story is a part of your big story. We are just in the middle of it. Help us recognize the ways in which you've been working in our life all along and the ways in which you intend to work into the future, Lord. Help us to slow down and be present to that. To take serious the call of discipleship, the invitation of discipleship. Bless us with your holy riches, the fruit of your kingdom, the fruit of your spirit as we do that thank you Lord Jesus for the stories that we got to hear today thank you so much for the work that you've been doing in people's lives and you're doing this in so many people's lives every person in this room you're working in, you're calling upon you're drawing you're prompting and I just hope that we can continue to become a church that tells those stories that shares those stories I'm so thankful that I get to be in a space where I get to hear those stories thank you for that Lord that was a gift to me this morning it was a gift to this church this morning Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. In all things, on Easter Sunday, we recognize you as the resurrected King. The beginning of new creation. The truly human and God in one. We offer you our worship. We offer you our praise. We offer you our lives.